0: You're listening to the Sewing and Growing podcast and radio show with J and J.
1: Welcome everybody to the Sewing and Growing podcast. And today we have our third guest on our show and we're ecstatic to have you, sir. Uh, our guest is the very, our very own, the one and only.
0: That oh, we know yeah,
1: of. Yeah, the one and only that we know of, uh, Mr. Wayne pollard uh mr pollard thank you for being on our show today i really appreciate it looking forward to it yes sir so um, before we jump into some deep topics here can we maybe just have you say a little bit about yourself who you are what you do um
2: well i was i was born and raised in this area so i am a true native and my family's been here since 1912 so Yeah, we, we kind of know the area, and I've seen a lot of change in the area. Yep. But I, uh, ranching is my occupation. However, I've uh, done real estate and securities and and uh, uh, insurance. So it's a situation that God has allowed me to learn several different aspects of the business world, and I think that that was one of the things that led up to me being able to teach business classes right and of course then becoming a christian and and coming to new creation church and putting the the uh, holy spirit factor into my business it's helped me to uh, you know be able to establish the the way that a christian business person should conduct themselves
1: right Mm -hmm. and we're hoping to explore a little bit more of that on this podcast that's part of the reason one of the main reasons why we, we brought you on you're a very prominent figure in this community, you're very successful. And really, I think you would attest to this. Most of your success in all of your business endeavors has really been because of the Holy Spirit and applying the principles that you've learned in the Word and even here at this church.
2: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No yeah. question about that.
0: That's awesome. So we're excited
1: to have you today.
0: Very excited to have you. And I will speak for myself. I can't speak for Pastor Jonathan, but when I think of a cowboy that I know, No one fits the mold as much as you do, Mr. Pollard. You got the job. You got the look. He walked up here. We're wearing a shirt. He's wearing jeans. I'm wearing like gym shorts. We're wearing baseball caps. Mr. Pollard has nicely done hair, a buttoned up shirt, tucked in, belt buckle, jeans, and the boots to match. You, sir, in my mind, are a real cowboy. Can you confirm that?
1: You're a real cowboy. And I've been, And you know, me and John both have been on your ranch and helped you brand a few calves. And that's an experience. I've done it like four or five times. I'll never ever forget. Some of the funnest times I've ever had was being on your ranch branding the calves.
2: Yeah. And I can remember you and your dad both yep. being there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, my dad also my was somewhat dad, of a real cowboy. My dad was a real cowboy. He, he, you know, in later years, he wasn't as much into it, but when he was younger, he was a rancher. He was a roper. And he and you can attest to this. My dad knew how to ride a horse.
2: Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. He came up on the mountain several times yeah. and helped us move cows around. Yeah. yeah,
1: he he loved it. That's some of his favorite memories too. But when we were when we were branding cattle, when we were branding calves. You know, I would tackle the calf. My dad was all about castrating. <laughs> that was his job. <laughs> he was the castrator. I just held the, I held it down in position. So uh, that was pretty fun memories. But yeah, you're a true cowboy if I've ever seen one. Mm-hmm. So, and he's got some of the most well trained horses. So well, thank you. Tell me a little bit about how you get your horses so well trained.
2: We work them. We use them. You know, a got lot it. of people have got some really nice horses, some good bloodlines. But what they do is they let them sit in the pasture and get fat and don't do anything. And the, the best way to get a good horse is just continually work them.
1: He's so saying, can you get a, a really phenomenal horse, even if the bloodline isn't great? If you work them, if you work them. And if the bloodline is great and you don't work them. It's the same as having a terrible horse. That's right. So even though it's got
0: the goods, you got to bring that out of the horse.
2: That's right.
1: It's
0: good. That's good. We're already getting some wisdom nuggets and we're just off to a good start. Well, as mentioned, you uh, fit my mold of what a great cowboy is. And just showing up to the ranch the first time I helped in branding. I felt like I was in the movie The Cowboys with John Wayne. Someone who did not know what he was doing, doing it, jumping in there. And I think, I find it interesting because my name's John. Your first name's Wayne. Put it together, (laughs) Together you got John Wayne. Do you you have a favorite John Wayne movie?
2: They're all my favorites. Ooh, Ooh.
0: nice. Do you know, there's another interesting fact, that John Wayne's real name was actually Marion Robert Morrison?
1: Yes. I wouldn't expect you to not know that. I,
0: uh, I didn't know that. I
1: didn't know that. Hopefully
0: I'm not the only one who didn't know that. But my favorite movie
1: is The Cowboys. The Cowboys. That's my favorite. Yeah. And I watched that movie for the first time with T. Lewis, another cowboy in my mind. he
0: definitely has cowboy tendencies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He wears the Wranglers. He He wears the boots.
0: So just going back to that, getting on there and realizing I was like wanting to get in this role. And there was something that I wasn't, but as I was kind of hanging out at the ranch, I was acquiring things within myself that seemed to be beneficial. Are there characteristics of the cowboy ranching lifestyle that maybe culture needs to pick up on, maybe assimilate into their life, or it would be beneficial for them? It seems to me like ranching is somewhat of a dying profession, but is there things that society could use and learn from a rancher?
2: Well, I would say probably the biggest thing is going to be their ethics, because the in the a cowboy has certain ethics that they they won't use another cowboy's equipment. Okay. Okay. And they will take care of what they've got.
1: Good stewards.
2: You know they're very good stewards. There, you can count on what they tell you. Mm. You know, a good cowboy won't lie to you. That's good. You know, they just absolutely won't lie to, you. and the... And, and they uh, are afraid to tell you something that they don't know to be the truth because that consider, then they would consider themselves to be a liar, right. which then would bring back on their whole charis, characteristic hmm. uh, factor. But, and, and I think they like to um, – you'd never know how poor or how rich a true cowboy is
1: because
2: wow. it doesn't matter to
0: them. That's awesome
1: because it's a lifestyle. I mean, they love it no matter what.
2: Yeah, it is a lifestyle,
1: and they're not
0: show offs.
2: I wouldn't say that because (laughs) they because if they have a really good horse, Mm -hmm. you know, we was talking about horses, they really like to show them off. If they have really nice equipment, you know, when I say equipment, saddles and bridles and chinks or shaps or what, they like to show them off. You know, I get that they they like to sh- because to them, the reputation that they have of being good at what they do is very important. OK, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. Well, it seems like from what you've communicated, first off, they won't cross into somebody else's lane of what they have in their own property because that's theirs. Right. But they take care of what's their own. Yes. They make sure their word is worth the weight in gold. Yes. What else did we say there? You, well,
1: he said that you, you don't know how rich yeah. or poor one is because they're not in it for the money. Right. They're in it because that's the way of life. That's and usually, awesome. I mean, you're not the first generation to be doing this, correct? That's correct. So that's usually how it is. it is. It's passed down through the family. And it's just a way of life that you, you, it's what dad did. It's what grandpa did. It's what great grandpa, maybe not that far out, but usually it comes from a long line of tradition.
2: A real long line. Yeah. My, uh, great granddad, my great granddad is actually in the, uh, cowboy hall of fame.
1: I didn't even know there wow. was a cowboy yeah. hall of fame. Yeah. There's a cowboy
2: hall of fame. <laughs> That's cool. And, uh, but there again, the reason he went into the Cowboy Hall of Fame wasn't necessarily because of his cowboy skills. It was because of his skills to be able to, uh, for lack of better words, negotiate peace. Okay. Wow. Between the different landowners. You know, their, a conflict would come up. And so he would be able to go and and get them to both compromise to come mm-hmm. to a Reasonable solution and, yeah, yeah, a mediator and um, go for it. But that's why he got in the Cowboy Hall of Fame.
0: That's awesome. That's That's really cool. Uh, I just got back from my honeymoon, Mr. Pollard, and I went to a Lone Star Steakhouse. (laughs) I love to eat steak. I love to support the cattle industry by eating plenty of beef. And I went to the bathroom and they had a cowboy quote above the urinal. (laughs) And it somewhat added complexity to my mind and I couldn't quite figure out and I thought I'd just share it with you and maybe you can give me a little more insight or tell me (laughs) if the insight I got on the quote was accurate or not. Is that fair?
2: Yeah.
0: All right. I'll say it real slow and I can repeat it if you need. Said a true cowboy is one who says it was nothing when it was everything and that believes that he did better than the first but worse than the last.
1: Okay. Have you you heard that quote before.
2: No, but I understand what they're saying.
0: Really? Nice. Because we both looked at it Give and we were it. like, whoa. Give us some insight. Well, can I share what I think first? And then you can tell yeah. me if I'm on the right page yeah. or not. So when it says that it was nothing, but it was everything, that just speaks to me of humility. Like if you're like, you did a great job and he's like, it's nothing. But everyone around him knows that what he did was everything.
2: That's correct.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second part believes that he did better than the first, but worse than the last. I believe what that's saying is that I've learned from the people that have come before me and I've added to it, but there's still a bigger fish in the sea. I'm not as good as the last guy that came around. Again, it's all about humility to me.
2: Well, there's some, there's, there's there's some humility factor to it. Okay. But basically what it says, you never stop learning.
0: Hmm. Okay. I like that. I like that. That is good. Yeah.
2: You never stop learning. I never stop. Learning.
0: I'm so glad I had the opportunity to get a true cowboy's perspective on this cowboy quote. <laughs> <laughs> Let's transition yeah. into business.
1: Yeah. I had one more question, though. It just was burning in my mind. Uh, you probably don't, when it, when it comes to like harvest season or when a, a bunch of head of cattle are about to be born, you don't have set hours, eight to four. You work until the job gets done, correct?
2: And and when you're calving, the job doesn't get done until they're all done. Right,
1: exactly. Until, I'll come back tomorrow, even though there's three that are in labor right now. Yeah, yeah. You
2: know, and as far as in the harvest, when it you know, like the word says, you you get out there and you keep working until the harvest is done. And I think that one of the things that a lot of people don't understand is that if you really study the Bible, a lot of the of the parables a lot of the uh, uh, comments that were going on in the New Testament that Jesus and the d- disciples talked about were a lot of ag terms. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that was because that was the main occupation at the time. Okay, So one of the things that's been a lot easier for me as being in agriculture, it's been easy for me to understand what a lot of the parables had to say yeah, because I was able to relate to them. Right. And um, so it's one of those things that I guess the one thing I want to bring up here is is when it talks about how the uh, uh, there's a lot of harvest out there but the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. I understand that very well yeah. because there's a lot of people out there that haven't been saved yet. Mm-hmm. So it tells me that if you're a true Christian, you need to be out there doing all you possibly can to get these people saved. And like Pastor Mark has continually stressed, it's not so much going out there and preaching to them as much as it is living a life that's worth, you know, wanting to uh, resemble.
1: Yeah, Yeah, resemble. Absolutely.
2: And that's why the other thing about the cowboy characteristics and whatever is because I think almost everybody's dream in a lot of ways is in somehow, some way being like a cowboy.
1: (laughs) You don't know it yet, but you want to be a cowboy. (laughs) Expound upon that a little bit because just sitting here, I don't know if my main desire is to be a cowboy. I don't know if I know that. so well explain it to me and, a little and, and, bit. It, and
2: it doesn't necessarily mean that you want to go out there and be a rancher right the things that you want to do is a lot of the for lack of better the cowboy way mm. you know do things in the cowboy way you take a lot of successful businessmen one of their big goals is to have a ranch mm. is
0: they have it the no honor idea. associated with it all
2: Some of it's the honor, but a lot of it's just the lifestyle like we were talking before. Because if you stop and you think about what you guys have said, you both said how much you really enjoyed that time on the ranch, how much you really enjoyed doing what you were doing. And so for a lot of people, that joy was enough that they always go, I sure wish I could do that again. One of these days when I'm really successful or one of these days I'm probably going to sell my house and go buy me a little ranch.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know what? I, I have might have to retract a little bit. Cause like one of my dreams is to have an acreage, you know, and mm-hmm. have some land and maybe, you know, maybe harvest some of that land. And I think this is what I think because the cowboy way is about honoring and respecting the land producing from the land and giving that to other people and that seems almost like the Christian way. It is. So I think that's a desire that everybody should have. Absolutely. I like that.
2: See, and that's that's what I'm trying to get at. Is is a lot of that because when I was young, mm-hmm. your age, the American people considered themselves to be ninety percent Christian, mm-hmm. even though they weren't going to church. Even though they weren't, they considered themselves to be ninety percent Christian, and, and when I say that. 90% of the population claimed to be Christian. Mm-hmm. But now it's about 50-50. Right. And that just tells you that that a lot of the um, uh, characteristics mm-hmm. of the two different sides, if you're starting to see it more and more all the time as far as how this nation just continually just keeps de- becoming more divisive.
1: Yeah.
2: And... There's no way that you can consider yourself a Christian and practice Christian principles and not. There's no way you can be divided because it's all it's all about being unified, unified, unified right, and love.
1: Yeah, so That's true good. Christians aren't going to be divided and and hate their neighbors. Right. It doesn't matter if you have a different viewpoint, different opinion. If you're not a cowboy cowboys still going to love christians still right. going to love right. and try and bring that union. right
2: yeah it doesn't make any difference if you're a republican or democrat
1: he went there i should say that again you should say it again <laughs> doesn't make any difference
2: it doesn't didn't it it until just the last maybe 8 years at most did it make any difference whether you was democrat or republican it was all american You might just have some, some disagreements in certain aspects of the life, but you were all Americans. Now, if you're one or the other, you're, you're not worth having around.
1: (laughs) Both parties back then had a common agenda, which was the nation and building the nation. Now it seems like each party has an agenda of really just obtaining power. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. Interesting stuff. I want to talk. Maybe let's get more into the business side of it now. Okay. Um. So you are successful. Um. Can you talk just a little bit about? I mean, you said you've had you've done a lot of different things. You've had multiple streams of income, but what's your main source of income right now? What's your main business venture right now? Ranching. Ranching. Mm-hmm. So that's the harvesting. That's. Uh, yeah, that's the, having
2: the the new the the cat the new babies born right and you supply no, no, no.
1: meat to some, some pretty big, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? You are providing beef to multiple outlets yes. right now. Yes. Um, yes. on the Western slope or even on the Eastern slope.
2: Now when you, now there's a big difference. Yes. You can say that I provide beef because that's what I raise as cattle. Yeah. However, I'm just the beginning of that chain. Okay. From the birth till till basically weaning okay so i that's the part of the beef that i provide for approximately seven eight months okay i've done more than that up to 18 months but basically you know six to ten months and w- with that you you start to learn so much about uh what you really need to do to be successful. Because when you're birthing these animals, from the time I have them till the time that I get rid of them, it's all about saving lives.
0: Mm.
2: It's all about saving them because every time I lose one, even though you understand that that's part of the percentages, but that's actually money going out of your pocket Mm. and a product that's unable for the consumer to eat, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Okay, and so, like whenever we're Kevin, I mean, I'm probably as much of a uh, of a baby doctor as you can probably <laughs> be in, but we won't go any further than that. <laughs> okay,
0: baby doctor Wayne, the baby doctor.
2: <laughs> but as far as, uh and then the other thing too is is that with with animals because they they'll get illnesses. Mm -hmm. They have treatments that need to be done. Mm -hmm. They need to have, you know, all those different things that need to be done. And so we learn how to be a veterinarian also. Mm -hmm. So, so a lot, as far as if a veterinarian had to uh, rely on my business to be successful, they'd go broke Mm -hmm. because you have to become so, knowledgeable and so efficient in what you do because the margins of profit are very slight, very slim. Uh,
0: What I love about this podcast is that Jonathan and myself are pretty unique and we have a unique way of describing ourselves and our experience is unique and your experience is very unique. And there used to be more agricultural uh, jobs available and people lived on more ranches instead of cities. And it was more prevalent But now it's not as prevalent, but we all can learn from each other. And maybe not everyone listening to this podcast is going to own their own cattle and be a baby doctor to cows, Right. but they have their own finances. And you are greatly invested in helping people do better with their money, live by the book. For any listener that listens to this, can you maybe put forth one or two things they could implement that you've noticed that help people handle their money better?
2: One major uh, thing that all Christians should implement is participating in the tithing exchange. Mm -hmm. I'll never forget, I was married and was just starting a family when I had a pastor come and explain the tithing exchange to me, because up to that time, tithing was just basically giving an offering at church, and and there was a lot of things I didn't understand. But he was able to sit down with me and explain some things to me, and it changed my life, Hmm. completely changed me. That's probably the the one single factor that had more to do with changing my financial situation than any other thing.
1: And that's completely counterculture because for those who maybe don't know this, tithing is giving 10% of what you make to the local church. And so it seems counterproductive to, I'm trying to save and build my money, yet I'm giving it away, but it changed your life.
2: Oh, and my fans, my finances changed so abruptly when I did that, it's not even funny, but I can remember that one of the hardest ties that I ever gave in my life was $5. Wow. Wow was $5 because that was 10% of my income for the entire week. Wow. And yet I give that, and, you know, I never went a day hungry. I never went a day without clothes on my back and a roof over my head. And I'm not talking about just me. I'm talking about my family. Wow. wow. And, and so it was a situation that, you know, in, in the Word it says that's the only place where God says, test me.
1: hmm Yeah.
2: And I, I had nothing to do, that's that's the only thing I could do is test him with this to see just how true he was. And uh, to be honest with you, I think that's going to be the next class that I teach is specifically the importance of tithing and what it truly shows, because something that the Holy Spirit's revealed to me in just the last 10 days is some... Crucial things about the tithe.
0: That's awesome.
2: I mean, crucial things.
0: I'd like to say this, uh, because I believe I heard it from you. And if I didn't hear it from you, just take the credit for it. Don't correct me. (laughs) Uh, People want to experience miracles from God. Mm -hmm. And the first miracle maybe you can really experience from God is participating in the tithing exchange and giving God the money that is his, that 10%, because you'll learn that it's better to live off of ninety percent than to live off of a hundred percent, which in its fact is something out of the ordinary, impossible for it to be better to live on the ninety than the hundred, because God will bless the ninety. And you can start living amazing. And multiply it, yeah. Yeah, off that.
2: Well, see, one of the key things about the tithe is is yes, you're supposed to take it to the storehouse. Yes, you're supposed to be there to help uh with the local church and and what have you. But it's so much of a personal thing. I mean it's more way more personal than it than you'd ever think. Mm-hmm. Because what it does is it shows you that financial miracle that God can use ninety percent and be way more beneficial than you have in the hundred percent. Exactly. Absolutely. And and you take um, I don't know how many people will say, well, I can't afford to tithe because I got this wrong and that wrong, but it says that he will rebuke the devourer for your sake. Yeah. People are paying the tithe whether they realize it or not, because mm-hmm. God owns it all, right? Yeah, God owns it all, mm-hmm. and it says that you rob God, and this was something that took me a long time to figure out what how I was robbing God, because yeah. but you're robbing God of relationships.
1: Wow. Say that again.
2: You're robbing God through relationship. Hmm. Either from your own relationship to become where you're knowing him more or it costs money to bring to harvest. I don't yeah. care who you are, it costs yep. money to hmm. harvest. Yep. And if the church is going to is being asked to harvest the the fields, right. if there's not it costs money to do this absolutely and that's why you bring it to the storehouse because the storehouse is the local church right. and you take uh because the local church is not only involved in in evangelism but it's also out there to help the homeless mm-hmm. it's all it's out there to help people that are in need for a short period of time mm-hmm.
1: it, uh,
2: Like I say, this is going to probably be my next class, and it's going to be specifically the benefits of the tithe.
1: I'm going to check on the recording real quick. Awesome. I got to check to make sure we're still good, because I don't have somebody monitoring it for me. So keep talking.
0: Yeah. So the first thing, whether you're a rancher, a person who works at a church, stay-at-home mom, the first thing maybe that you'd recommend to start implementing to watch the Lord move on your finances, is participating in the tithing exchange.
2: Absolutely. No question about that. Any, I don't care who you are.
0: Anything, any person, anywhere participate in the tithing exchange. And do you call it an exchange because it's already the Lord's and you're just bringing back to the Lord's what is his?
2: Well, <clears throat> see, there's actually two kinds of tithes. There's the Levitical tithe okay, and the tithe according to Melchizedek. Okay. Okay. The first tithe was what?
0: Tithe to Melchizedek.
1: The tithe to Melchizedek. Mm-hmm. And what kind of a tithe was it? Jonathan, I take it was that gold. one. Huh? I thought it was no Was it livestock grain? No. Nope. Grain? No. Nope. Uh, He's making let me it sound see. foolish. I'm here. gonna throw some spaghetti at the wall, see if it sticks. Um buried treasure? <laughs> it, it was what Abraham.
2: It was, it was a th- it was a thankful offering for what God had done. Okay. Because remember, he was thankful. Come to the yes. tar pits. So because he because he just got through uh, defeating the kings, mm-hmm. and so he was being thankful to to the Lord or to God for helping him defeat these kings. So what he wanted to do is he wanted to give it to Melchizedek because he was mm-hmm. the high priest. So that's what he did. So it was a tithe that as a result of. Being thankful. The other thing is, is this: is it was not required, right? It was
1: free will at that time. It was free free will. Free will will offering. Yeah, that was before the law.
2: That was before the law. The only reason for the law or the tithe, the Levitical tithe, is because the tribe of Levi was a tribe that God had declared to be The the priests. Be the priests. Yep. Well, if they had a full-time job of being the priest, they had no way of making any income. Right. So that's why the other tribes tribes put in their ten yeah. percent to help supply the the needs that the Levites had.
1: Gotcha. That's great.
2: And now, when now that God Jesus came and fulfilled the law. Yep. Okay. We're no longer under the law, so the Levitical tithe has got no bearing for the Christian. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. yes.
1: That's, I think a lot of people would argue that this day tithing is not for today, but you, you're about to expound upon that.
2: Okay. But then Jesus said, mm-hmm. you know, that you tithe, you know, he's, when he's talking to the Pharisees, you tithe this and you do this and you do this and do this. But I say, don't, uh, he also said, in it's in Matthew 21. He said, don't forget those things. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, there, He addresses it there a little bit. but Now, this is before the, the crucifixion. Mm. But then in Hebrews, it talks about Jesus being the high priest right. according to the order of Melchizedek. Yeah. Right? Now, as a Christian, should we not be thankful?
1: Come on. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Should we not be, I mean... There's so much there. There's no way that we can talk about it in two or so three minutes. So that
1: tithe that he paid to Melchizedek wasn't required, but it was based out of thankfulness. And Jesus is establishing the new order of Melchizedek, which, looking at that order, was tithing out of thankfulness. So the New Testament believer tithes out of a cheerful heart and a thankfulness of what God's been doing in their and life. And
2: if you, and it's all in the word. Yep. He doesn't. He wants a cheerful giver. Absolutely. And so if you're given, if you're participating in that tithing exchange, now Jesus starting to realize now a true Christian starts to realize just how important the relationship with Jesus is, how thankful that Jesus is because he's the provider, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how he's the rebuker, of
0: the devourer,
2: how he protects us, how he heals us. Mm. You, You see what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I think that's awesome. We're calling this podcast Wayne's World. And we just <laughs> tapped into a bit of Wayne's world. Yeah. And we just recently did a podcast that's going to be released, was well, already being released Probably. by the time this one is, but it's called Learning to Share. It was on evangelism. And we said that you determine some maturity of someone, not by what they have, but by what they can give. And you've given a lot in this podcast. Yeah. And I just find it awesome that you're so passionate about the tithing exchange, a giving of that 10%. And we... The Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And Jonathan and I share our testimony frequently on this uh-huh. podcast. But when we bring in a guest that can say, unequivocally, the moment I started tithing, not even funny the kind of change that happened in my life. It's awesome to hear it from another voice. Yeah. And we're out of time. There was so much more yeah. we were planning on talking about. So that means we're going to have to have
1: <laughs> Maybe Wayne back, back.
0: Yeah. for more. Part two to Wayne's world. Yeah. Well, we can go into the wisdom of the day real quick. Yeah, let's do the wisdom of the so day. So what
1: we like to do, we end the podcast with what we call the wisdom of the day, like one key takeaway that you yourself got or something that you want, whoever's listening to this podcast, what you want them to take away from this podcast. Um, if you'd like, we can start and you can think about it, or would you like to give your wisdom of the day right now?
2: Go ahead and... Start, let me think about okay. this because the my wisdom of the day was on the topic we didn't get to.
0: Well I want to talk about that one as well. So let's have you back so we can talk okay. about that one. Okay. okay. Uh my wisdom is I totally identify with what you said about everyone kind of wanting to be a cowboy. There's part of me, I know I don't look the part, Mr. Pollard, but I do kind of want to be a cowboy. And I really appreciate you sharing on the characteristics of a cowboy that society and culture could need, whether it is uh, minding somebody else's private property, stewarding your own property, being a man of your word, and doing your life for the sake of loving what you do and living that way. I love that and I look forward to applying those cowboy characteristics to my life.
1: Uh, What I'm getting out of this is I really liked when you were talking about the tithe and robbing God and the idea of um, not only um, is it robbing of relationship, you and God, but with others because of the amount of good that the church does in the community and really around the world, it takes finances. And if you're not giving that supply, you're really hindering the church from affecting people and you're robbing God of maybe even potential future relationships that would have been set up because of what the church does. So your tithe is much bigger than just you and God. It goes beyond you because your tithe is affecting multiple people um, through the church. That's true. Yeah. That's right. I came true. from you, so I really liked that. Yeah, You know,
2: so, but I guess the one thing that I uh, would like to end with is that the one thing about the tithe that I know to be so important is that that's the one way that God can prove how real he really is. Mm. And it's through a worldly concept. Right. Because, I mean, let's face it, money is is worldly,
0: a tool of this earth? Yeah. yeah,
2: and it says that you can't have two masters.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You can't you can't love God and manna. Mm-hmm. And but yet God wants to use manna in a way to prove how real He is. Yeah, and awesome. I, I know that the tithe is so important for every Christian.
0: Thank you. Wow. We also like to end the podcast with praying. Would you mind praying us out today?
2: Lord, we just want to thank you for this time that we've had to discuss living a life for God, for sowing and growing. Lord, I just ask that the words that were spoken here today are words that people can take and chew on them and grow on them and and, uh, uh, apply them to their lives and get the wisdom that you want them to get through this podcast. And we thank you for that. I thank you for these two young men that are willing to do this. And I, and I see the talents that they have. And I thank you Lord for those talents. It's in Jesus name. We pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Wow. What a privilege and an honor. You never cease to amaze me with the amount of wisdom that you have. Um, so I look forward.ing I look forward to your new class and,
0: um, and I'm really excited for part two of Wayne's yeah. World back on the Sewing so and Growing podcast. Yeah, because
1: you got some stuff to say about marriage as well. And and I'm a fairly newlywed, only four years. He's brand new I'm to marriage. I'm a week and a half married, so. Yeah. So you'll have to come back and give us some of that wisdom on, because how long have you been married, sir? 40 years. 40 years. And that's enough to just. It speaks for yeah, itself. Yeah, it speaks for itself. But we'll let you speak more on it the next time <laughs> if we are out of time. But again, thank you for coming on today. Thank you. And uh, those of you who are listening, I trust, I believe you got something good out of that man full of wisdom. Um, Join us next time for the Sewing and Growing podcast with J&J.